0: I feel that my my work was, was betrayed. You have all the fury which is directing at the referee
1: now. There the uh, obviously seem to be a palpable uh, discord between manager and players.
2: Palpable discord. Hello and welcome back to Palpable Discord, the Chelsea podcast. I'm Jack Rathborn. I'm joined again by Will Bay and Grant James. We'll be talking about Chelsea's opening weekend victory over Brighton. 3-1 at the Amex on Monday night. Uh, perfect start for Frank Lampard's side um, in terms of the result, the performance maybe less so. We'll be uh, digging into the ins and outs of that game, um, a little bit on uh, the star performers, um, those who struggled, and perhaps a little lean forward to the big game against Liverpool coming up this weekend, which we will also preview later in the week. So, um, yeah, be sure to follow us on um, on Twitter, at Pod. But uh, we'll dive right into it, Will. Um, we'll take a look at uh, the key takeaways from the game for yourself, um, any, any players who impressed or you felt really struggled um, last night?
0: Um, I think players that uh, impressed is probably a shorter list uh, than players that kind of disappointed. It was, it was a strange game. It had a, a, I think it had a real pre-season feel to it. Um, I think the quality of the passing, especially in the first half, was really poor, almost to a man. I think it was that was... Probably uh, the biggest factor in why we, we could never really get going. It was just simple passes. Just the weight of pass was was off. Um, the placement of the pass was off. They were all sort of putting each other in trouble, um, and I think that sort of put everyone's confidence sort of on the floor. Um, the shape I didn't think really worked. Um, it was sort of a four four two out of possession with with Ruben and, and Werner pressing as a two or really Werner pressing on his own, because I think uh, in terms of disappointments, I think you'd have to say maybe the biggest disappointment of the night was was Loftus-Cheek. Um, surprise inclusion, I think, for everyone. I think uh, while we did our predicted teams, I think we all had Callum starting, maybe. I, th- I think maybe Grant didn't. Um, but none of us had Loftus-Cheek. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's his best role, kind of a number 10 um, in possession and then out of possession pressing in a two. I think he's, he's better in a, in a midfield three uh, To the left, one of the sort of eight or tens, um, kind of a bit more box to box. But I don't know. I think he just looks like a complete passenger at the moment. Um, he was obviously found some great momentum uh, before that injury. Finally, he was getting some game time. He looked fit. He looked sharp. There, there was still the same issues with maybe his kind of um, passiveness out of possession. But he, he was kind of worth the trade-off around that time because he was, his output was really good. He was getting in the box. He was scoring goals. But I think the most alarming thing was seeing how often he was turning the ball over. Because I think with Ruben, even when he's going through the motions, even if he looks a little bit disinterested, He's always got that quality to just retain possession, get his body across, um, you know, draw players in, um, and that that was alarming to me. I mean, I've, I can't remember him seeing him that poor in possession and that low on confidence. Um, so I, I really, I sort of alluded to it, I think in the maybe the first episode we did, but I think he really needs to go out because I think more so than than Barkley, if you're talking about players that impressed, I think Barkley helped. Um, a lot when he came on and you could see Lampard sort of saying to him on the sidelines, we don't know exactly what he was saying, but it looked as though he was saying, get on there, keep it simple, keep it popping around. And and that's exactly what he did. He helped sort of knit it together and actually helped us kind of get our foot on the ball, which we we could never really do with Ruben, but that is something that you tend to associate with Ruben. Um, but. I think he's going to need to go out and I think he's going to need games. I think it's the best thing for his career. I don't think it's going to do him any favours staying here um, because I can't really see him getting another chance now for a while. Yeah. So he's not really going to be able to kind of turn that form around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting hearing from Lampard after the restart, covered a few games, um, notably against Norwich. Um, Lampard, very um, positive about Ruben. Uh, talks about the way he offers something that nobody else in the squad does. Obviously, that was before the um, plethora of signings that Chelsea have made. But I still think that stands true. And he was, um, he was equally um, positive after the game, sort of defending him. I think he knew that he struggled. But um, took him off, obviously, after after an hour. And um, I think Chelsea looked a lot better in possession um, after that. Grant, I think if you look at the the shape, do you think that was a, a one-off, almost as a, an experiment, um, specifically to deal with Brighton? Um, can you see that against stronger teams such as Liverpool this weekend, or do you think it just worked so badly, um, specifically with Loftus Cheek as the ten, that it might be difficult to see them um, lining up again again like that soon?
1: Yeah, if you look at the sh- you know the shape of the three players behind Timo Werner it was quite surprising and. I think, yeah, we we spoke about who was going to play um, as a 10. We had Mount, we had Barkley, we had Havertz. Loftus-Cheek was a long way down that list. Um, We didn't think that his fitness was going to be good enough to actually start the first Premier League game. I don't think the shape worked at all. I think it's just too narrow. In the first half, we didn't have any real width to our player. Yeah, and I think I can understand why Callum actually didn't play and why he doesn't have the trust Lampard's trust to start the first Premier League game. But I think it's a bit damning that with Pulisic out, it was Mount on the left, with Ziyech out, it was Havertz on the right, and then Loftus Cheek is the ten. Uh, and then when those two players come back, you'd expect that Callum's probably going to be third in the pecking order on both flanks. I just think with the, playing against that shape, if you have a genuine winger, there's, there's real space behind the wing backs, especially with Solly March. he's not a genuine wing back. He's more of a winger playing as a wing back. I think there was a lot of opportunity there to exploit that, mm-hmm. and I think we see Havertz trying to do the defensive work tracking a wing back all the way back to his own half definitely doesn't suit him uh we didn't have yeah i just i just think that's not the way to get the best out of him especially with his fitness not quite at that Mm -hmm. at that peak level yet to be trying to track a man all the way back didn't really work uh Mm -hmm. i also said in the first podcast that him and zeke tend to play in similar areas even though they do different things zeke looks for a lot of balls over the top and you know habits Mm looks to combine a bit more and it's, I think, with him playing in that same position, it's it's quite interesting to see how we're going to accommodate both of them. It's, I don't want to get too ahead of it, but it almost feels like we we signed Zeek because the opportunity arose, and then in the summer, like another opportunity arose to sign a pretty similar player, and we couldn't really turn it down. So we sort of got like an upgrade on a player we hadn't even really used yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just interested to see how they both going to fit in the setup, and if you add also with with Zierk coming in, he's also naturally a number ten. So I think. That, there's a bit of a concern we're going to end up a bit, little bit like we were under Di Matteo with um, three players that can be almost passengers in, in support of the striker. I know Mount works really hard, but he's not particularly suited to playing on the, on the left. I think yeah, with Chihuahua, yeah. he'd probably suited a bit better because he could combine a bit more. He could maybe look at little <laughs> slide rule passes to link up with him. With Alonso, it, doesn't, doesn't, it didn't really work. And he did a good yeah, job yeah. on tracking Lamptey. And probably there wasn't anyone in the squad who can do that with William not around anymore um, to actually do that defensive work on the flank. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I think the biggest takeaway for me was that the balance of the side was just wrong. Yeah. We didn't really press high. We didn't really have enough players going away from the ball, enough coming towards the ball to actually keep possession. I think, we, I think they had 50% of the ball in the first hour. And then the last 30 minutes, we had a lot more with the ball with Barkley on. Yeah, and I mean, just getting to Barkley quickly, I mean, I've said to you guys before that he has his limitations, but Sari who's quite a regimented coach who wants very certain things, trusted him a lot and played him in a lot of big games, he played him in that city away game where we got Kane six 0 Um, <laughs> Lampard wants something different and he's also he also trusts him in a lot of big games. He's just the sort of player who can follow instructions and does quite a few things reasonably well. He might slow the play down, but he also gets the ball and he keeps it and it just gives us a bit of a chance to settle into a shape and it's not as many turnovers, even though yeah, he you can see in his decision making in the final third, he's always, you know, passing when he should shoot, shooting when he should pass, releasing players too late. But He's just more the sort of player you can hang your hat on, which I, I don't know if Ruben is or will be unless he plays a long run of games. I really think Will's probably right in that if we can get Loftus-Cheek to to actually... If the option comes up to loan him out for until January and let him actually properly rehabilitate himself, I think that would be ideal. I just think it sends such a bad message that we won't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, i say, the key takeaway. Just the balance of the side, no wingers, no real wingers. Yeah. Players doing defensive work that aren't really, aren't really suited to doing tracking back or pressing where they don't you know that where they aren't suited for that.
2: Yeah, on that balance, I think um, one of the concerns I would have is, um, and it sort of um, manifested itself in the uh, the opening half. Well, the opening half hour and certainly the first half is the um, the way in which Brighton were able to pick us apart with little triangles, moving it quickly. Uh, I think the you mentioned Solly March. I think he was excellent. Um, had uh, the most um, the most progressive yards on the pitch, 695, uh, the most progressive passing yards on the pitch. So he was really up and down. And I think the way he moved it about with um, Malpe, um, Alzate, um, I think that really causes problems. And I think Kante was a little bit guilty, at, at least in the first half hour, of being a bit slow, not seeing the um, not seeing the second ball. Trossard moved off him quite nicely. So I think if you look ahead, certainly to this this weekend, um, I don't want to get too deep on it, but the way obviously Liverpool um, characterise themselves with their their fullbacks, you could almost see Andy Robertson having, a, having an having absolute joy in that game. Um, certainly, if um, if Lampard lines up with a similar shape, and obviously you look at Havertz, I think that that just won't work um, for, for my money um, against against the bigger teams. So yeah, I think uh, they certainly need to tighten up a little bit. And I think once Barkley came on, it was certainly a bit more compact and I think Chelsea move it quicker when they start from a more compact shape and then spread. I don't think it works quite as well when when uh, we're trying to move it with quite expansive passes. You, you saw Havertz lose it on, on the occasion um, when the space opened up. Jorginho too, who's obviously notably meant to be um, pretty smart in possession. But yeah, he's guilty a couple of times of losing it. So yeah, I think uh, that was my main takeaway. On a slight downer, just the way that Brighton were able to open up uh, Chelsea a little bit by just simply passing it and moving so um, that was my takeaway um, any more just, on, just on Barkley uh, it's strange I think most uh,
0: casual observers who may be not Chelsea fans I think on the outside looking in the perception of Barkley is that he's this off the cuff quite exciting attacking player in possession but he's a bit brain dead out of possession you know he's not tactically disciplined and I, I think in fact it's it's the complete opposite and the sort of player we got was, was just not at all what I was expecting. But I think it, I've been quite pleasantly surprised with that. And I think he fits in really well as a squad player, uh, unlike, what, unlike Ruben, who probably doesn't, I think, would benefit from being sort of the big fish in a small pond, you know, um, given a bit of licence to try things, maybe not um, in a side that needs to press uh, quite as heavily. Um, and, and just again on the balance, I mean, that, that's just going to be the key is, is, is how Frank finds balance in this team, because there's so many different scenarios uh, and, and, and systems he can, he can try and put in place. But if you look at Liverpool and you look at City, even though they position the fullbacks completely different and the midfield is completely different in possession, it's kind of the same almost two, three, five shape. Obviously, City tuck the fullbacks in, where Liverpool have their kind of more functional eights tucked in to protect against transitions. But they both have built in a system that protects them against transition and allows them to get players up the pitch and progress the ball up the pitch and play high. How Frank finds that balance, I don't know. I mean, I sort of mentioned to you guys before, I think we're quite well, the squad's quite well set up to sort of play a kind of lopsided. System a little bit like how Jose set the team up in when he came back the second time, we played one fullback really high in Ivanovic and one fullback uh, much more conservative in Aspi, and it sort of became a lopsided back three. Um, we're we're almost now I think quite well the squad's quite well set up to play that bit in reverse. So I think Chilwell is quite happy to be quite high and wide. I think Reese is more happy to be tucked in almost like a, a midfield player. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only problem is, is on the other right-hand side, you're not getting a great deal of width if ZX coming inside and Havertz wants to be inside. So really, I think Callum from the right could actually provide a lot more balance to the, to the team. Yeah. But it just, it just seems that, A, I don't actually think he wants to play on the right because I think he sees himself more as, you know, an inverted winger coming inside, a bit like how how we position Pulisic but really plays on the right wing I prefer him there I think he can engage as man better he can receive the ball wider and kind of operate as more of a traditional winger so that that is something I think but then you know we've spent money on Ziek. so you've got to try and fit all these players in I'm I'm just I'm just not sure how Frank's going to do that and that's what's going to be the most fascinating thing to see over the next few weeks I think.
2: Yeah, I think um, we may as well address the elephant in the room with um, Callum hudson adoy because obviously he didn't start against Brighton. Um, but you look at the way Pulisic, obviously not involved at all, is a little bit fragile. We know this. Um, but outside of him, there's not a lot of like direct pace. And I just, I'd be amazed if Lampard doesn't doesn't try and sort of give him a little cuddle. Make him, make him feel a little bit more included. Um, obviously, he got, got 10 minutes, didn't he, last, uh, against uh, Brighton. But I just think they, they definitely need a bit more from him moving forward. Because I think with Havertz and Mount, it, just, it was a little bit one-paced, I think, where, the way they were set up. Um, I just think, yeah, Lampard is going to have an option... He's not going to have many more options uh, immediately. Obviously, Kovacic comes comes back from suspension. So I guess the, um, the thing I'd, I'd ask you both is, do you move more to a, a more rigid three-man midfield um, the way Barkley can offer? And certainly if you, you throw in Kovacic and, and drop out Jorginho, is that the way forward? Certainly against a much stronger team like Liverpool, it, it might be a case of Lampard looking to be a bit more conservative.
1: Yeah, I think that's that might be the case either switch to back three so we have we were a bit more solid but and then we actually have matchups on the sides with our wing backs against and opposition's wing backs um yeah Barkley. if Barkley starts big games and we you know we still stuck with our playmakers playing on the sides so it's difficult to say if he's going to maybe go to the the kante georginio coverage mm-hmm. midfield three just be a bit more solid in that area uh, i also think with timo vern up front obviously i think he had a good first half he was he was very threatening. In the second half, he wasn't particularly involved in the game. And, and I don't want to get into this, you know, to say he's one-dimensional, but you want to use his strength as much as possible. It's in a similar way to Vardy, where you want to play early for him. And because he's such an important player for us, if we're chasing a game, you want him on the field because he's he's our best attacker. He can, he's got a great shot. And, you know, he, that speed is really important if you're chasing a game. Mm-hmm. But like yesterday, we, we couldn't really take him off either because a 3-1, it's still quite precarious. We needed to keep him on for that speed just to, to push Brighton back a bit. And I think it, it might get to the stage where he becomes so untouchable that you can't really find your plan B because the only time he will probably play wide is if we're chasing him, we're really desperate against the smaller side. And he kind of just goes into, we go to, into a front two or with, with Bernard really high and wide on the left. But I think it is a problem that we don't have a lot of speed on the flanks. Um, we have essentially two genuine wingers and then Ziyech is a 3rd wing-backs, I think when Chobar plays, we'll have a, a little bit more speed in the, on the flanks for the, so the full-backs can provide more width. For Lonjo, that's not really the case. He, he has plenty of gifts, but it's, you know, he giving width He's more for the switches of play and having a bit of space to work a yard to drive across or if he's actually moving into scoring positions. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think it's going to be a theme throughout the season, trying to find the balance of the side. Um, yeah, yeah. I think as well with Azpilicueta, with I actually saw, I think... I saw Chelsea Youth say this a few months back, but I think the way James played, it's going to become almost like an unstoppable force where you just cannot leave him out. And I think even Aspilicueta will realise that he's he's going to get supplanted pretty quickly by someone that just cannot be left out. And yeah. you saw how well he played last night. He only came back from a knock to start training on Thursday. Obviously, Aspilicueta was being protected. But I think with the way he ended last season, it might be a case that he just you know becomes... The, the first choice fullback, and Aspie's is more of a specialist for certain games, or right centre back, or being a defensive fullback in certain games. Not yeah. because yeah. I, you know I'm getting on the uh, you know the James in and Usbe out train that was going on even before the beginning of last season. Just because I think his development will take such a, a possible jump that that will be a natural progression. So yeah. trying to get the balance of the side right throughout the season could. what You're sitting in the early weeks. is going to be interesting how he brings Aspie back in. Does he start the week? You know, does he start for the weekend? It's it's quite a dilemma. I yeah.
0: don't think I don't think that this this whole this fantasy everyone's got a Ziek inside and and James overlapping wide on the right. He doesn't like to do that. He likes to be in that inside position, you know, almost as a as a as a central midfielder at times. He can go on the outside, obviously, and you'll see that at times if he plays with Ziek. But I think really you can see it being very. Uh, Crowded and lacking balance. If you've got Ziek, say Havertz plays right centre mid in a free, and James, they're all kind of wanting to occupy the same space. So, so, like I said earlier, I think Callum, you know, could be key in providing that balance. But you know, there's always that difficulty of you've signed Ziek for big money. Yeah. Um, you've, you know, it depends if if he's having great output, maybe. Reese has to adapt to this game and become more of a traditional fullback that gets on the outside, but he's not Lamptey, you know, they're, they're very different fullbacks. Um, so I would, like you say, Grant, like, you know, he, when he's at his best, I think it will become a point where it's like impossible to leave him out. And he's such a weapon that I think you've got to build the system around that to a certain degree. And I also just think if Tiago Silva is going to feature a fair bit, having that, Right back, kind of tucked in, almost like a half, half defensive midfielder, half right centre back. I think that's not a bad idea to sort of protect him a little bit further as well. So
2: yeah, I think um, it's interesting. With the we talk about the the lack of pace beyond Pulisic and uh, Hudson Adoy, and it's even it rings even more true with, like you said, with James. Is really not a um, almost like a bomber. Is he from from right back? He's not. He's not somebody who wants to just. Overlap for, for days. So, uh, but interestingly, you mentioned uh, Werner and the way that he, I wouldn't say faded, but definitely sharper in the first half. And um, I just think Chelsea need to sort of uh, work out more ways to to get him involved, um, to to play to his strengths. And I think slightly towards uh, the end of the second half, you saw that a little bit with with James, when James showed a little bit of versatility with his game. The overlap came and. He, he's, he's lightning across that front post. It is very much like Vardy. I think that's a, it's a wonderful comparison. So I think that, that is going to be key when Chilwell comes back. Um, but if we just stick on James and, and Tarek Lamptey, obviously, um, possibly the man of the match, even though he was on the, the losing end of um, the result. But um, James' James's goal was absolutely stunning and, and an early contender for goal of the season. But um, if you take that away, we analyse their games a little bit. Um, where do you see their career paths going? Because obviously, there's tremendous depth in in England right now with uh, right backs. You've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Carl Walker, who, amazingly for for me, I think is slightly underrated. I still think he he's got loads to offer, and his experience, his vast experience, I think is um, either under underappreciated or neglected by Southgate somewhat. I think he's um, tremendous. I think you've got obviously Reese, you've got Tarek. Um one Bissaka obviously has got wonderful potential, needs to show a bit more going forward, but try it, try knocking it past him. Um, you you your struggle. You've got Trippier, who we know Southgate loves a lot, Justin James, Maitland Niles, Max Aarons, Carl Walker Peters, I could go on. Um, in terms of like those two, those um the Chelsea right back and the ex-Chelsea right back, um, where do you see those guys um, in comparison to the very cream? cream of English right-backs right now and Alexander-Arnold Walker, perhaps um, after those two, they're they're right there in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Look, I I love Lamptey. I mean, I thought he was really good last night. He's so intense. He's just, there's not a second breathing space for the wide player when when he's on the pitch. Uh, Getting forward on the overlap, underlapping a lot, that burst of speed. He had one run where he had a a, a cross, like a cross-come shots which hit Zuma in a, a sensitive area. Um, it was really impressive. You could see him playing for a big club pretty soon, yeah. like starting for a club. But because because of his some of his limitations physically, in terms of you know on the back post. I know Will City, you know he gets up really well. He's competitive, but I think James has a, an advantage in that in that department. Um, actually, finally the Brighton game last year, James um, was amazing in trying to challenge Dan Burn. I think Dan Burn went off with a concussion, if I'm not mistaken, or at least took a, a couple of tough blows and those duels with James. Um, So, and also we've been talking about James' versatility tactically, the fact that he can play in the half space, he can go on the outside, he can cross from narrow positions, shoot. I think he's got a more rounded game. That's not to say I don't really like Lamptey. Mm -hmm. And I think you could imagine, without speculating, one of the other bigger sides going for him in a couple of seasons for a big price. It's yeah, a pity he yeah. couldn't stay. I mean, I think we got four million pounds um, and avoided the tribunal, or somewhere around that figure, um, maybe some sort of sell-on. I'm not quite sure what we agreed, but I understand. Understand, and I, I can respect his decision to back himself and guard and play instead sort of sign a new deal for big money and go on loan and accept the you know the promises and the potential to to make it down the line. Um, as in terms of England. I think Southgate has his favorites. You saw that he caught up with three right backs for the last squad and yeah. didn't call up a left back because he, you know, he'd rather not involve any new players or new fullbacks in his setup um, that he has to acclimatize the way he wants to play. So I can't see Southgate actually making many changes ahead of the, the Euros unless, some, unless someone like James, who's obviously playing for one of the top sides and is doing well in the Champions League, makes it impossible for him to be left out. Uh, but even then, he's going to be behind. Well, possibly. I mean, Alexander-Arnold hasn't necessarily had a huge England career so far. He's, he's still kind of making his way into the picture. Generally, he won't start you know, two games in an international week. He'll start one of them. Uh, so there's a small chance of James going to the Euros. Um, and I'm pretty happy to have James. And obviously, it are be disappointing that is maybe not on loan and we can you know have, a, have him on a long-term contract and see where things go in a few years. But he's a great player to watch, very exciting to watch.
2: Yeah, do you, do you um you look at James's performance, and we know that I think potentially he, he could be as good as pretty much everybody um, bar maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold. And just in terms of Alexander-Arnold's ability on the ball, I think is maybe a, a class above. But uh, James certainly last night I noticed a little bit. Maybe it's not that he's not good in the air, but I think maybe the anticipation will. Did you see maybe um? lack of chemistry across that back line is maybe the, the reason for that. We obviously saw uh, Lewis Dunk sort of drifting in at that back post and, I mean, he should have scored. We know that. and But then he's a match winner now as well, James, because that, that, that goal, he, he has got that in him. He, once he gets out of his feet into space, the way he strikes the ball, it's I mean, it's not always going to like nestle it right into the top corner, but he, he's got good accuracy and power.
0: Yeah, he's... Um... He can sometimes, he, he falls asleep a lot. I mean, he he is physically, technically, he's, he's unbelievable. You know, he's, he's like a footballer created in the lab. You know, he's, he's just, he's got everything. But I think sometimes you can see, the first five minutes with James, you can kind of tell whether he's going to have a good game. Because you can see sometimes he's just a little bit, looks like a little bit slow. He's not quite closing people down quick enough. Yeah, um, but... When he's on it, I mean, we, you know, he's unbelievable. I just think it's maybe a maybe a consequence of of maybe finding youth football a little bit too easy at times. You know, I remember watching some of the 23s games where he, he's just, you know, he's, he's got a cigar on, like it's just he's cruising through the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can be really aggressive, really physical, really competitive and really switched on. And then you match that with just physically how, how powerful he is how strong he is um, and how how technically good he is as well I and mean, his range of passing. I think really when he's on it, you could argue that he's got the potential to be a better all round fullback than Alexander Arnold. I think yeah. we've seen Alexander Arnold struggle defensively uh, yeah. quite a lot, but he doesn't really play as a right back for the most part because Liverpool have so much of the ball and he's positioned like a right winger. His delivery from, from, such a a range of uh positions on the pitch it's just match winning Mm -hmm. so but i think reese has got the potential to be definitely in the squad as you know the backup uh and and pushing him all the way just based on the fact i think as an all-round player i think he's he's potentially um could could go past him but lampty is if he's um Obviously, if you're playing it, if Southgate still has got uh, ambitions to play uh, five at the back, mm-hmm. Lamptey's, Lamptey's perfect for that. So maybe maybe he pushes that over the next few years, if, if that's still a system that we want to use. Um, and I still think you can play in the back four, like Grant said. I mean, he's just an absolute pest. There's a few times Mason Mount, it looked like he, looked like he thought we got away from him. And he's just got those tiny little strides just to, to get his, get himself back in. And he's so aggressive so tenacious and and like we said so willing in the air but there are inevitably just going to be mismatches because he's he's about five foot five so mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be interesting but I think those three for me are probably the standouts at the moment I like Wambasaka but I think going forward he's, he's just needs to develop his game yeah. a lot to be um, in the same bracket as them I agree with Grant I think if Lamptey performs like he's performing and I think He's obviously, he seems like a real grounded kid as well. I imagine he's a real good professional. I think, by all accounts, comes from a really good family, really switched on. So I think he's just going to have a really good season. I don't think it's going to be long before the top six sort of come knocking. It's just a shame. It's just a shame it's, you know, we've, we've had to, to, to let him go.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, last thing really, Grant, on on James, um, I know you've got one more point, but if you can maybe sort of discuss, a little bit on um, you mentioned earlier, Aspen Equation, where he fits into this puzzle when he's fit. We obviously yeah. saw the, the weakness in the midfield, and the way maybe a, a solution, a slightly left field solution, could be James playing some minutes in there because we know he has played a little bit for Wigan there.
1: Yeah, yeah. The two things I wanted to say is the one, um, you know, Ed reached James taking corners last night, which I don't think he's really done since he's come back uh, from his loan, and he did that at Wigan. Pretty much all said pieces he was on, and he's got really good delivery. Obviously, Zuma scored his goal via deflection from a Reese James assist. So it's mm-hmm. good to see him getting more responsibility in you know in that department. Even though I'd imagine Zeek would take over those those duties. And the other thing is, um, yeah, he played the the final final portion of the game in midfield. I think for the second time he's played for us in that area. He played mm-hmm. a few minutes there against Everton right before the right before the break when we had kind of an injury crisis. And I think we're short in that deep area because, you know, last night Kovacic is suspended. So, you know, Jorginho starts by default um, alongside Conte, kante and obviously the latter's had injuries. And Jorginho goes off with a bit of a cramp or, you know, a bit of fatigue and then we're kind of out of options. Yes, yeah, so yes. I, now, yeah, so I just think because we are short in the deeper midfield position and mm-hmm. we saw in the FA Cup final and the Liverpool game, you know, towards end of the season, we couldn't really freshen that up at all in the last 15, 20 minutes uh, because... Kante was injured and it was just Jorginho and Kovacic and that's it. You know, Barkley can't play in a two particularly and locked his cheek. It's not going to be trusted there. So I think there is some space for James to possibly play in that position. Um, He's such a good footballer, just like Alexander, you know, Alexander Arnold plays further forward and takes up positions to maximize his game. I think James could do the same. Possibly playing in a two there with Kante and freeing up the players ahead of them. I think it's not a, it's not an insane suggestion.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, it will be fascinating to see if he he is incorporated into um, a multi-role um, uh, a multi-role player for Lampard this season. Um, final sort of uh, discussion really is sort of um, it's almost that it could end up being a distraction given the the window is still open for a few more weeks. will we've uh, we've seen that Callum didn't start. We've seen that Loftus Cheek didn't really impress and struggled and might struggle to, to justify a squad role um, if, he, if he's not happy and not getting regular minutes. Um, do you see this squad getting cut down in the next week or so? Um, we, uh, we do expect uh, Lampard to, to get rid of a few because he, he, he warned of that at the end of the game last night. He said he, he needs to manage the squad. Um, in your opinion, do, do any of those involved last night, leave? Um, yeah, well,
0: we've already sort of touched on, on Ruben potentially going out. But I I don't know. Maybe, maybe um maybe I, I'm being a little bit reactionary. Maybe he can find his form and you know, maybe what we're seeing now is a bit of a preseason, but I just think it was a bad injury he was out for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think he has games to find his rhythm and hopefully he finds it again because when he's when he's on it he's a great player. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I think he 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 will have to go or one of him and Barkley will have will have to go, I think. Um, I just, you know, you, you really, it's 23-man 23, 23 squad, um, you know, three goalkeepers. But I think this season we'll probably see 24-man squad just with an extra, extra centre-forward, assuming Giroud doesn't go, uh, which hopefully he doesn't. I hope he stays until uh, until January. Mm-hmm. I think one of, one of the centre-backs, you know, has, has to depart. We're, we're, we've got five at the moment, so it's too many. Um, I think Tamori, it looked like was close to going, but that seems to have been re- reassessed. So I think one of the centre-backs has to go, um, and I agree with Grant. I think there's, especially considering Gilmore's not going to be back for a few more months, there's definitely a place in the squad for someone like Declan Rice, if we can figure out that deal. Um, I think someone like that could could you know, really address a lot of the problems we'd spoke about with balance in the side, but then, when he's been spoken about, it seems as though Lampard sees him as a centre back, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I think that is maybe his best position. Mm-hmm. But he, as we as we know, he can, he can operate really well in a, in a midfield midfield two or at the at the base of the midfield. I think in the midfield two is actually a better position for him. Um, so I think there's a, there's a place for for someone like that in the squad. But yeah, there will be. Um, I think at least at least two players going out, um, and maybe
2: the goalkeeper. If, are we going to
0: talk about the goalkeeper? Yeah. Or are, we, are we going to put our heads
2: in the sand? <laughs> so. We have to. I think uh, Lampard said, didn't he? Um, I mean, he almost made made a lot of people laugh, uh, including Gary Neville in the studio, when he said that I'm very happy with Kepper, and I think we know that's not true. So. Um, yeah, how do we see it? It looks like Mendy will be coming and wasn't involved for Wren last weekend or the week before, but we've seen him on social media today um, diving around and training for Wren, so he's fine. I think as soon as he joins, if there's enough training sessions before certainly the weekend, if you could get him in before Thursday might be a big ask. Um, he might even be in contention, but I think you're right. He comes in, and then you, you have to lose one of Caballero and, and Kepper. I think right. And
0: just quickly, pr- just quickly, it was almost it was almost perfect. Uh, you know, Frank Frank sort of patched plan right to to win the game, hoping that Kepper makes a mistake that reinforces the the idea that he's nowhere near good enough. But we still come away with the points. Doesn't cost us the points like yeah. it did on many occasions last season. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm 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 kidding. I don't think. I, to be honest, I was so surprised when they, when when the team sheet came through. I know you had him in your team jack, but uh I was really surprised I just think he's he's just such he 's just a uh, he 's such a risk he 's such yeah. a risk um and it 's just another mistake another shot that 's gone under him that that should be saved mm-hmm. um i think regardless of whether mendy 's tied up it 's got to be a uh, good old Willie Caballero back in goal for anfield yeah. if we can 't tie the deal up and i think I don't know. It looks like he, he, Kepa might stick around because I don't know. I mean, who, who would, who would want to take him on loan at the moment? I mean, it's just mistake after mistake. I don't know who would take him. Well, yeah. and definitely who would take him and contribute any money towards the wages, pay a loan fee. I mean, I just can't see where he goes.
2: Maybe to run. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a real headache. I think the, Playing in the Premier League is so different to a lot of leagues. Uh, it gets overblown in terms of stylistically, but I think off the pitch is it's quite different. And I think it's very rare that a goalkeeper recovers when the agenda is set, the narrative is, is in full motion. I think you look at David De Gea, he reversed it. But I think that's a special keeper who, who reached peaks and that Kepa can only dream of, no matter what, what the two of them have done over with, over with Spain in the last couple of years. I think you look at Claudio Bravo with Manchester City. As soon as he came, one mistake. Everybody had made their mind up that he was almost like a clown figure and there was, there was no way back. So is there, is there any way that he can rebuild his reputation while under the, the bright lights in, in the Premier League, Grant?
1: I don't think so unless he becomes a better goalkeeper. And I don't, I don't think he's a very good goalkeeper, to be just perfectly honest. I was amazed to see him start because I don't see... I know I, I do understand what Will's saying that you know it's great to just for Lampard just to show everyone at board level that you know I'm right about Kepper and he really isn't he's not cut out for it, but I just think after that performance, another error, I think even the dunk chance any any goalkeeper would come and catch that ball or punch it it's It's literally landing on the edge of the small box, coming a long distance when I mean, we saw Pickford come out and throw punch you know punch a couple of balls clear against spurs i mean i just I just think. That basically took him out of the shop window. Um, People were just like, you know, he's earning huge money. I just don't think there was any major good that could come of it. Even if he plays well, there's going to be a mistake very soon around the corner. We have a goalkeeper that suits what we need a lot better coming in anyway. I just didn't see the point of having the sideshow continue. And I mean, Willie started that friendly against Brighton. and I know it's a friendly, but it's it's just seemed like he would be continuing with the jersey. He didn't do anything particularly wrong to lose it towards the end of the season. He gave away a penalty against Bayern, but you can't really blame him for that. He's basically, between Willie and Kepa, they both make the mistakes, but but Willie's actually capable of better saves more often, and he's got a much more a much bigger presence. You could hear him in the FA Cup semi-final against United, like shouting at the defenders. Um, he's just much more experienced, a stronger personality, a bigger character. I think it made much more sense to play him. And I, I just don't think we can keep three goalkeepers this season, because... You know, people say, oh, well, you know, Caballero is just third choice. He's just collateral damage if that happens. But he renewed his deal to, to, to be second choice. And to not even be in the squad is a hard, you know, is quite, a, quite a bit of pull to swallow. There's always space issues in the in the Champions League squad. So you, we've generally not had an experienced third choice keeper. You've seen like guys like Eduardo and stuff, you know, not be in this Champions League squad. Um, I just think you have to face the fact that Kepo is not good enough. And... Stop making excuses for him. I mean, the worst one that I have, you know, is Hilario is a terrible goalkeeper coach. I mean, to be honest, Hilario is a better goalkeeper than Kepo was. You know, he started 20-something games in Mourinho's third season um, when Czech was out of that head injury. He played a lot of matches and we won two trophies and we, we went deep in two competitions. Uh, he did not let us down. Yeah, he made occasional stupid, he did stupid things and he had a funny name, but...
2: but right, rightly so. He was, he was never meant to be. Somebody who even played and yet you're right he came in he played many more games than anybody anticipated, yeah, and yet he was, he was sneaky reliable in in terms of I mean, in terms of his his talent and his ability he, yeah. he he had no right to be on that stage and, and you're right, I think it's, a, it's an amazing comparison, but he has proved more reliable than Kepper we saw every every week when Kepper makes a mistake, I seem to read more glaring stats that are just. They're they're atrocious. I think you look at last night, it was another goal conceded from the outside of the area since last season. 19 goals conceded from outside the area. The most of any keeper in in the top Mm. five. I mean, how is that possible? I mean, it's a cliche when you say, oh, he's a good shot stopper. He isn't, and it should be a requisite for any keeper in the Premier League. And yet he doesn't do the other things beyond shot stopping to make up for... Make up for that. Uh, it's, it's a he's real, been, he's, a real he's, he's, problem, isn't
0: it? He's not, he's not strong in any... As, there's no aspect of his game mm-hmm. that, that is even... I mean, maybe he's, he's decent. His short game of his feet's not bad. Short okay, yeah, yeah short, His short game of his feet's not bad. But he, he, when he tries to find a, a, a long pass to get us you know, up the pitch when the, the, the other team's pressed and we want to find an out ball, he can barely kick the ball over the halfway line. Yeah, he's, he's not, in, and he's
2: not in Edison's
0: league, is he? Let's be. frank. No, he's, not, he's not in. We go back to Hilario. He's not in Hilario's league. I, mm. It's just crazy that we've got to the point we're comparing Hilario and Keppa, and saying that Hilario's a goalkeeper. We didn't pay seventy-two million pounds for Hilario. No, it's yeah. just, it's oh. just nuts. I mean Carragher, Carragher. To be fair, sort of touched on on TV last night. He said, you know, Chelsea were done. Yeah. And, you, you have to say that that we that we were we were completely done by someone, an agent yeah. or uh, someone recommending the player who might have had a vested interest. I don't know. I mean, we were desperate at that point. Obviously, that was an element. But I'll, there's I'll desperation. Tell
2: you, I'll tell you where it where it all stems from. Uh, Thibaut Courtois not wanting to fully commit his future before that World Cup. He strung Chelsea along. I mean, you knew he was leaving, but there was obviously. Accounts involved and the way they couldn't quite move for Alisson until that was, that was completely rubber-stamped, his move to, to Real Madrid. Obviously missed out on Alisson. And then it, you're right, it was it was scrambling around. There was numerous other options, but presumably Chelsea end for the Stars. And yeah, it's, it's proven a disastrous move, is not it? I think you're right. Sunday has to be Caballero. Take him out the limelight. Just on the, a final point on on Kepa and, and the goalkeeping situation in general, I thought it was quite an interesting point by Jamie Carragher. He says that it's not about being better than Kepper because anybody can be, and the ultimate goal is to win a Premier League title. Um, I disagree with that. I think you can win a Premier League title if, um, presuming the keeper isn't quite as good as uh, Allison or Edison. Do you guys do you guys agree, or do you do you see? Mendy needing to to hit those heights?
1: I'm not sure if, I'm not sure exactly where I stand on that, but all I know is that goal last night was a carbon copy of the one that Bellerin scored for Arsenal that cost us points exactly the same, cutting in on his left foot and just bending it basically straight over Kepa's hands. Um, I think if we get any upgrade, if Mendy's even 20% better, it'll make such a difference because there'll be so much more confidence in the back line to have somebody coming and claiming these crosses, um, I mean, look, Kepa seems like a nice, a nice guy and a like a good kid, and he wants to succeed. But I think if Carriga says, you know, someone's done a trick on us, I think it might just be well, for, at least from the little report you read, it might just be his ex-local teammate Pepe Reina, because there are a lot of stories that Chelsea didn't know who to sign when Courtois was, you know, left for Real Madrid. Um, everyone knew he we were coming with them, you know, with the money and. Um, sorry, by all accounts spoke to Pepe Reina who knows, who knows Kepa well from Spain. Pepe Reina was sorry's goalkeeper at Napoli. He just signed for Milan so he wasn't actually an option for us to bring in as a stopgap himself and it seemed like those recommendations sort of came together and that's how we ended up with him because all the stories are that Christoph Lolichon wanted other goalkeepers and you see with Mendy clearly there's that connection there because they know him well with Ren being there you know they're the, the former club of both Czech and and Shawn. so there's much there's a, a much more comfortable with the signing than with Kepa. Um, it's it's just been it has to be one of the worst transfers in Premier League history. And I do get what Will says, like n- nobody wants to pay a loan fee for him, and he's on huge wages, so we want someone to supplement that. I just think it's better to take the loss for a year with him at another club, at least developing, at least putting himself back in the you know in the window to maybe st- to attract a buyer, not have that sideshow every single week because if Mandy makes a mistake, then you're like, oh, let's bring Kepa back. You know, it's rather have a set one and two and just take the hit of paying his wages. We're going to be doing that anyway if he's at the club. We're not yeah, losing sure. much because he's got five years left on his contract. So we're not, not losing a great deal. I just think put him in a club that's playing in the Champions League, whoever it may be. I don't even mind if it's Ren because, I mean, they, they need a keeper They're in the Champions League. Why not? Yeah. And well, finally, just closing on Kepper.
0: Yeah. Well, there's always a chance he goes on loan and, and plays just as bad. Uh, so maybe he's, maybe he's just best to kind of hide away somewhere, and people eventually will just kind of forget how bad he was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm quite I'm quite high on Mendy. I've, I had a little look at him. Um, that I think. At the very least, like Grant says, he he's definitely a goalkeeper that takes responsibility for his box. He's going to take pressure off of us on set pieces. Um, he's really he's really big. I, he he looks like he's you know good feet for 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 a big goalkeeper. He, he, he you know he gets gets himself in the right positions to make a save. Um, deceptively quite good with his feet for his size as well. So you know it's not like we're sacrificing the. The ability to play out from the back, I don't think necessarily. And I think look, Lollishon's very high on him, and I think Lollishon's clearly a good judge. Um, so I think you know it's just his age. You know, you're looking at it and you're looking at the sort of strange um, career path, and that's probably
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the main thing that, that that stops you from from getting really excited about it because you think that and there must be a reason why he he hasn't made it to the top um, mm-hmm. has taken this long, but. Yeah, I think that the Kepa has lowered the bar so much and he's crossed for so many points that uh, I, I, I don't think anyone's expecting us to win the title this year. But I think a, a goalkeeper, even if Mendy comes in and he's okay, that's, that's that's worth points. That's worth, you know, potentially five to ten points for the season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a big boost for everyone.
2: Yeah, I think that's. Um... That's that's very true. I think one one guy we didn't quite have time to mention, but I thought Kurt Zuma was um, excellent last night. And if you have a little triangle of um, Zuma, Tiago Silva, and then you should be at the very least some good communication there. So um, yeah, pretty exciting. But I think we all expect Caballero to come in and um, at least at least not not give Liverpool anything. And um, let's be frank, we'll um, we'll preview this in more depth uh, in a few days, but. They actually do, unlike uh, any time over the last couple of years, they, they might need a little favour or, or two um, on the basis of what Leeds did to them. Um, we'll dig into that a bit later, like I said, in the week. But thanks very much for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Palpable Pod, And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to the, the Liverpool game um, on Thursday. I've been Jack Rafflon, Thanks for listening.